Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, we're back to the boiling point, and yet again, we're not in the same room. It's, it, it feels like we're, we're becoming such international superstars that uh, we, we just don't have time for traveling so much. So we have to find studios all around the world That's right. just to connect with each other. Yeah. What's going on here? Well, I, you know what? And what's interesting is, is where you're headed uh, very shortly and why you're not, uh, we're not in the same booth together. Maybe you can tell the folks about that. I mean, I think it's very cool. Well, um, you know, I do find myself traveling a fair bit, which is why typically when we do these podcasts, we will get together for a full afternoon and we'll we'll slam five of them at the same time. Uh, otherwise, because between you, your travel schedule and mine, it's very difficult to get into the booth at the same time. Uh, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I fly to your hometown of Whitehorse. And uh, I was about to say uh, Yellowknife, Yukon, whatever. I don't even know where I'm going, but it's way the heck up there. Apparently, there's lots of mosquitoes, and uh, the whole clan of the Vales uh, live up there. And I'm, I'm going up to a wedding, actually, with uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Natalie and Chris. And so that's that's what I'm doing, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm in Halifax and uh, about to fly off tomorrow, uh, which, you know, you and I love segues. Um so being in Halifax takes me back to my old stomping grounds because uh, some of the early days of Hemming's House was right here in Halifax. And the guy I've got on the phone is very, uh, very exciting. He, he's uh, yet another mentor type in, in my uh, in my journey, in my story, uh, a fellow named Ed Weber. And uh, in just a couple of minutes, I want Ed to explain how he and I met because it was a very unique uh, newspaper uh, sighting that I saw that connected us. But we're, we're going to pull him in. So, Ed, welcome to the yeah. podcast. I, I want to introduce you to Dave. So uh, you guys Hi, are connected. Dave. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. How are you doing? Very well. Um, your son. Uh, you're in Yellowknife, are well, you? Well, no. I'm. See, I'm actually. I'm in St. John, New Brunswick, right now. Oh. My, I grew up in Whitehorse. Whitehorse. Oh, Yukon. did you? Yeah, yeah. My parents still live. There, so I'm connecting them with Greg when he's up there, and he'll see the the, the magic of the midnight sun in the Yukon. But Ed, but Ed, we just wanted to say hello and, and tell you how much we adore your son. He's uh, oh. a big part of this of us. Any success we have, uh, we I think could attribute probably 98 percent of it to Matt. Yeah, he's a pretty good kid. I I kind of like having him around. We we have our moments together, like all uh, sort of father son business relationship. You, you did a good job, Ed. You did a good job. Now, for the listeners uh, who don't know, Ed is Matt, our producer's dad. So. Yeah, there's a connection. So, uh, so uh, Matt, our producer, is the son of our guest today, Ed. So, Ed, why don't you just do a quick introduction uh, to who you are, and then we we want to get a little bit into your into your story uh, as well in a little bit. But uh, to just to just give us the uh, the quick Coles Notes bio of who Ed Weber is. Well, um, born in Digby, Nova Scotia, moved to Halifax when I was uh, my family moved here when I was three. Went to school here, um, <clears throat> came from a long line of uh, uh, family uh, businesses, and uh, um, my dad was always in business his whole life, and um, had a couple, well, he, he, his business got uh, burned out in the late 50s, and that pretty much uh, 
that pretty much ruined him. But he always had smaller businesses, and and uh, I always grew up, uh, you know, in those businesses after school and Saturdays. Uh, my dad died when I was, uh, <clears throat> I think, sixteen, and I was uh, I was just in high school, and my uh, my brother. Uh, who was uh, who was working at the time and came come home from uh, uh, Vancouver uh, when my dad got sick to help in the family business. Anyway, uh, long story short is we we started we bought a little gift shop at the Citadel Inn and because uh, we needed to make a living and my mother ran that and there was lots of hours seven days a week. So I left school in grade twelve in October or November and went to work in the business. And uh, I guess from pretty much from there on, uh, I, I, I stayed in business. We had that particular shop for 20 years. Uh, and in the meantime, my brother had uh, bought a business in downtown, and I worked with him. And I did a lot of uh, sort of buying job lots and selling stuff. Uh, it, was, it was kind of interesting, and it, it kept me sort of out of the retail end of it. And uh, my brother moved to Florida and uh, moved, ended up moving back several years later. We opened a restaurant on Barrington Street, breakfast and lunch restaurant. And we had it for about uh, three years. Kind of challenging just because I just uh, we just gotten married, Jane and I. And after that, I basically went to work with a friend of my brother's in the steel business uh, to give him a hand for eight or nine months. And uh, and I took my first job, my first and only job with a company called Vision, which rented uh, little televisions in hospitals straight across Canada. <clears throat> um, long story short with them, I was a regional manager for eight years and uh, became their only uh, franchisee in Canada, myself and two of my co-workers. We started Vistacare in uh, television services in 1989. And we started in 89, and we sold the business back to uh, them or their, their new owners in 207. In the meantime, it was, it was a very, very good business, a very nice lifestyle, and, but it was kind of boring. And in 203, I, um, I got an idea that, that uh, the cable industry needed um, a higher-end um, service provider as as in building uh, uh, fiber systems and cable systems. So I, I leveraged the the uh, reputation of Vistacare Television Services, which which operated 100 uh, hospitals across country and had had done so for for 12 or 14 years. <clears throat> and uh, we started uh, Vistacare Communications and I hired my first guy and uh, bought his old van and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start, we're going to set a new standard in the industry. There's, uh, we're not interested in road warriors, uh, meaning guys that, that, that just want to be away all the time and live in hotels and camps and stuff. And it was going to be shave, shower, shampoo, uniformed, and ID'd, or you don't come to work. So anyway, uh, long story short there, the concept worked, and we started to, we started with uh, Sean Rhino, and he was my first employee, uh, and later my partner. And uh, when I left in uh, uh, two years ago, a little over two and a half years ago, um, we had 125 employees and about 100 trucks on the road. So 
that did did very well. We were we were in uh, Newfoundland, New Brunswick, part of Ontario, and the companies uh, since uh, now down in the states and, and out west, and uh, and seems to be seems to be growing at a at a pretty good rate. So that's my story. And during that time, um, uh, my son Matthew was had a had a small computer business, and he was located downtown Halifax, and and they were renovating all around them. So a building became available on the Hammonds Plains Road, and we bought it for that reason to move his his uh, computer uh, computer business into. And then um, my business development guy at Vistacare at the time said he knew this chef, and uh, you should open this and open that. And the next thing you know, we were renovating, and uh, and now we are Edible Matters in beautiful downtown Hammonds Plains. That's my story. So it went from a computer shop concept. No, let's let's, let's rewind. It went from uh, TVs and hospitals to yep. uh, uh, fiber op network cabling operations to uh, uh, to a computer store to an awesome restaurant. <laughs> that, that that is that that sounds like the resume of of, yeah. <laughs> of, of, of a true a true entrepreneurial resume right there. Now, um, Dave, a funny little story. How did I meet this guy? Um, uh, so when I moved here probably five, six years ago, I can't remember when it was, but I, uh, I, I read uh, in the newspaper, there's a little clipping. It said, looking for a video company to invest in. Uh, do you think that caught my eye? <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. And actually, yeah. I, I believe that I heard part of the story when we were doing our coaching documentary way back when. Oh, that's right. So, so um, Ed, you're actually you you and Dave are actually connected in a different way because back in those days, we, I was doing a documentary with uh, with Dave, and that was right around that same time, Ed. And uh, I was telling uh, Dave all about the opportunities that you know, meeting this uh, iconic entrepreneur who's giving me mentorship and uh, working with his son and all that sort of thing. But uh, that uh, that little article, I want an article. It was a little little want ad, I think it was. Um, it's uh, it. Uh, it took me two seconds to pick up the phone and call you, which again is something that only an entrepreneur would do. Um, and I remember calling you and say, "Hey, what's this all about?" And then we met, and uh, that really quickly led to an opportunity for uh, your son Matt to come uh, work with me for a year and and a bit. And uh, since then, we've done a lot of really cool projects together. So I thank you for putting that ad in the uh, in the paper. But what was your? Let's just talk about that really quick. You you you've got a knack of finding opportunities. You saw, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I you know, I was, I, I guess, you know, we wanted Matt to, you know, he was always sort of, you know, in drama and media. He always loved that. So uh, I, at the time, Greg, I thought, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, it's better to 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 buy than build. And I just thought that we, we would throw this ad in and it was a nice ad and, 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 uh, we'd, you know, we'd sort of shake the tree and see what the hell fell out. And, and boy, I'll tell you, there was, there was a lot of, uh, strange people came out of the woodwork and <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no, the phones never Be stopped included. and the emails and, and everything. And, and I remember I still have my, my scribbler cause I, I don't use a, a Blackberry or anything. But I, I just use scribblers and then I save them. And if I went back in that scribbler, I probably have like 20 different names and, of people that we talked to uh, that wanted to, us to, to, to buy their business. But there were some really strange ones. And, and then there was you, Greg. And, 
I remember talking to you on the phone, and I remember our first meeting at, at the VistaCare boardroom. And, uh, boy, you come in, and you were all smiles and full of him and vinegar. And, <laughs> and uh, you had a great story. Um, I, I, I think at, at the time, you know, I just, I was, I was more concerned about it being an actual business case, which is, is, is where we are with, with edible matters right now as we are building. But, it, you know, from, from, from the public's point of view, we're, you know, we're absolute winners. And I'm sure from the public's point of view, I mean, you, you've won every damn award they've ever made. And, and, and no, really. And, and from their point of view, you're, you know, you're a, a uh, superstar uh, guy, right? But, you know, from a banker's and accountant's point of view, it's very similar to us at Edible Matters. It, it looks good and it is good and it's wonderful product. It's just that does it make a real business case? And at the time, um, yours didn't to me because I was, uh, you know, my, my uh, VistaCare at the time, you know, didn't make a business case at the start. But a few years later, um, you know, as we started to do good work and, and word of mouth gets around and someone says, well, I want it done right. I'm just going to never mind. I'm, I'm not going to worry about price. I just need it done right on right and on time and on budget. And so that's why people got you to do things the same as they got us to do things. But, you know, you yourself are, are um, you're someone I believe that shares a very similar philosophy is if you build it right, they will come eventually and and you know you don't start off by making money in in literally any business but you you build something that people are attracted to and you build a reputation and so i when i when i met with you oh just maybe two or three years ago maybe it was just before uh edible matters um you were you were back you were on track to running your operation like a business, and and I was very pleased to see that, and I, I think we I'm trying to think where we met last, but it was in a Tim Horton somewhere. But yeah, anyway, yeah, it um, was. <laughs> but you were you were going in the right track, and, and obviously you're 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 still in business, and you still have a wonderful reputation, and you still win all the damn awards. So I, I can't <laughs> can't fight you there. And you, you know you know that that's all because he started working with a coach. Oh, there you go. So I just, just a little shameless plug for coaches. Oh, okay. Yeah, just yeah. a little, so yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> so no, but, listen, I, I, but, but I got, I'm, I'm sure that Dave, Dave's going to want to hop in here in a sec, but one really quick anecdote is, um, uh, Ed, you've always been uh, a, a very positive challenge to me, you know, with, with being very, uh, uh, pragmatic and very logical saying, Greg, you got a good product, but, uh, is it a business? Are you making money? And, uh, I remember, uh, maybe it was four or five years, maybe four years ago, three years ago, we were talking about investments and whatnot. And you were like, let me just see if you still exist in two or three or four years and let's see if you get profitable. And I've always had that in the back of my head. I'm like, I'd love for Ed to see my financials today. <laughs> so it, it's great. It, it was a great motivator. It was a great motivator. And that's what, that's you what know, I just, know? I just met a girl in the parking lot as I was leaving uh, edible matters. And, and, uh, um, she, she, she opened a small car detailing place just down the road and she joined our business association. And, and when she, she called me just out of the blue and wanted to talk to me. And then when I, when I sat with her and, and talked to her, she made the first, the big first fatal mistake. I said, Natalie, what are you doing? She said, well, I, I left my job. My husband left his job and we're going to open this business. And I said, oh, my God, dear, the fatal. And she said, what's wrong with that? I said, you don't have a business. You just have an idea and you, have a, you rent a spot 
and and the fact that both of you are depending on this, somebody's got to be working. Someone has to have a paycheck to pay the mortgage, to pay the to pay the bills, to put food on the table, while the other ones are working their butt off trying to get the business off the ground. And I just talked to her, and yesterday she uh, um, she said not a soul came in. They had nothing booked, and she's. Uh, but one thing she did is she's she's gone to the March of Dimes, and she's she's hired people with whatever you'd call some kind of disability, and their salaries are covered fully for the first year. And she's got two employees that can't work anywhere else. A lot of people don't hire people with disabilities. So that's what's kind of saving her bacon while she's getting things done. But she's, you know, uh, she's heeded the fact that really one person needs to be out there working while the other one builds the business. And, I mean, outside of that, you're, you're just putting, you know, you're rolling the dice and putting everything on the line, as they say, and it's just it's just not good business sense. So, so that's the first thing. Dave, Dave what's your – Yes. Oh, I know. I was just going to chime in here, Ed. I was just going to say, yeah, you certainly uh, – that's that's really interesting to hear what you, you know, challenge Greg with. And you, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm just hearing a very practical, like just a very pragmatic person and approach. And, and what I was wondering about, Ed, was, <clears throat> you know, if you, as I listened to your story and your background and, you know, like losing your father at a young age and, you know, all the, the ups and downs that would come with the various businesses, um, like I, what's – what smacks me in the face is like this is a very resilient guy, a uh, person, and I'm wondering, wondering like what how, what supports that resiliency? I don't know. I, I guess just uh, you know, here's this is what I thought. This is this has been my thought since I was really young. My father was a wonderful businessman, um, but he never planned for the future. And you got to remember, this is going back to the, the 50s and 60s. And so he he died with I think four thousand dollars worth of insurance. You know, uh, he 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 had had real estate. He he'd given a lot away. You know, man, there's a man never took a drink in his entire life. Probably the finest, one of the finest men I ever knew. But gave things away, like helped helped a lot of family members. And then when he had the fire and he was ruined, and then he was in a car accident, and he and he had a head injury, so he couldn't go back to work. And my mom had to go back to work again. And so when he died and, and we were working seven days a week, you know, in this little gift shop and trying to make a living and doing all those things, I always thought to myself, I'm never going to leave my family. It didn't have a family then, but I said, I'm never going to leave my family in the state. You know, whatever, whatever it takes to ensure financial security for my family, that's what I'm going to do. And that's always been my motivator. Wow. And and it's just it's pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's pretty it's pretty basic survival, and uh, and and naturally, as as a parent, you always want your 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 child or your children to have a have it easier than you have, or to to have more opportunity to accomplish what what they want to accomplish in their lives. So it's it's a pretty simple motivator. And the other thing is too is you just you get when you start at such a young age. Um, it just, it's in your blood and it's been in my blood for, you know, my, my father's blood and it was in all his brothers. They were all business people. And, and we have business people, uh, relatives down in the States that we just found out that, that we've, uh, that we have uh, realizing a lot of them came over from the old country in the, in the first sort of first ship, if you will. And, and, and a lot of them are, have, are, are multimillionaires. And one of them, 
uh, one of our, our cousins here married uh, uh, Robert Kraft, the guy who owns the, uh, the New England Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots, exactly. And wow. another. Now they married into that, but we had another part of the family that was uh, uh, that was part of the, the Hershey's Chocolate people. So. Wow. We have just found out recently that, that we have tons of relatives in the States, and they're all business people. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is kind of. So part of it was the, the – is the, as part of it I'm hearing is the genes and then, then – you know, I would say. Profound – but also this profound, like, impactful point in your life that just left a real imprint in terms of how, you know, you want to, you know, I guess uh, succeed in business and in life. Well, it's it's kind of nice, and I'll tell you, there's a great deal of satisfaction when you win, and you don't you don't win every time. I could listen. I made a million I, million mistakes. I could I could write a book on all the mistakes I've made. Um, I, I've never had a lot of luck, I guess, in the stock market years ago. I'm, I'm better at it now, but um, I, I I had my same stockbroker who just who just left the industry to go and work in the car business because there's no more stockbrokers industry anyway i always used to say to him richard you know geez i look at the money i've lost over the years and and you know it's coming back now but i'll never recoup what i've lost and his words to me honest to god this is what he used to say to me ed if you weren't a risk taker and and an entrepreneur he said you'd be flogging tvs for some company across canada you know making yourself 70 80 90 thousand dollars a year but he said, you were always a risk taker. You, you, you took risks in the market, didn't do so well. He said, but you took risks in business and you built your businesses, which, which gave you a lot more in the end than, than what you lost in the stock market. And I always take a little comfort in knowing that he's in, in his own way, he's right. I, you know, you can't win at everything, but if you keep, if you keep trying and trying and trying, you eventually will win at something. Right. So I guess uh, the fact that you have to be willing to take a lot of risk in business, just just like uh, uh, just like, you know, Greg, when he goes and, and invests in more equipment or he invests in more, uh, uh, you know, more uh, employees, there's always a risk that it may not work. But you have to be willing to take some kind of risk. Um, can I ask you a question there? Um, risk seems to be the common theme for entrepreneurs, for artists, for uh, for creative people. Um, but there's a very fine line from making uh, risky decisions, but then making educated, risky decisions. And over my life, uh, I made a lot of dumb, risky decisions, mostly because uh, a lack of mentorship, let's say, or a lack of me reaching out to the right people or, or hiring that right team that can keep you, um, to keep you real so you can make proper risk. You know, uh, I feel today I make, I make risks, really good risks, but I've got amazing advisors that, that help me make that risk, uh, you know, or mitigate the risk a little bit, but I still have that risky spirit, you know? So what, what, what's your thoughts on, or a little bit of advice for our listeners and for myself and Dave about, you know, making good risks and being okay with failure, but making sure that there's more significant wins than than, lose, than losses and risk. Well, I, I I always tell people. Um, I, I talked to a bunch of people. Um, actually, we interviewed uh, Matt. will tell you, we interviewed a chef yesterday. Uh, as, as we have a bakery position open, and I thought I knew his name from. Um, from 
from somewhere. Anyway, at one of the Hammonds Plains Business Association uh, meetings, uh, we had it at, at Edible Matters, and we had four new uh, startups there. One guy was this, this young chef who was trying to do take-home dinners, and another one was uh, someone who wanted to uh, start a farm in the valley. They inherited a family farm and wanted to do things. One was um, uh, doggy daycare, and the other one was a yoga person. So uh, they looked at me and said, you know, can you tell us, because uh, I was one of the old farts there, so tell us some, give us some experience, et cetera, et cetera. And so at this, me- at this meeting yesterday, uh, this chef has just been dismissed from another job. And, uh, and he said to me, um, he said to me, we're sitting just alone before everybody else came up. He said to me, he said, I really listened to what you said uh, that night at the meeting. I said, well, what was that? He said, make sure that one person in the family is, is working or you've got enough money to pay the bills. So he said, that's, you know, I can go do my catering business, but he said, that's not enough to support us. So that's why I'm here applying for your baker's position while I build my business. So anyway, I, there's, there's a few things. There's, 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 you know, you talk about risk and you talk about uh, good decisions. The two things I find that people, um, as far as young business people, the two things that they, they do wrong. Number one is they don't save enough money. They don't. Uh, I look back at, at, at a time when my friend, uh, my best friend and I were, uh, we left here and we went, went on a cross country uh, by train and our, our ultimate goal was New Zealand where his uncle was. And I had an uncle in California. So we, we had this planned for two years. Our problem is we ran, we broke, we were broken Vancouver and had to hitchhike home to Halifax. So the, the reason is we just couldn't wait to execute our plan, right? So we didn't save enough money. We ran out of money. So most small entrepreneurs, they're undercapitalized and they have a lot of them great ideas. And so they, they just, they're just waiting to open their, their, their retail store or their bicycle shop or their cafe. And they're just, they just can't wait. So they don't put enough money aside and they have very little equity. So they can't borrow money. So they're just living on their credit cards and whatever they've got saved. And then the other big flaw is some of them, two of them will jump into it as opposed to one of them working as, as a mechanic or in a store, whatever the case is. And so they find that they're both working their butts off. There's no backup. They run out of their capital. Neither one of them have jobs or income. And no matter how good their, their, uh, uh, their thoughts are, their business could be, they just, they just burn up. They just, they just go up and smoke. And so those are the two things that I find in all the young people that I've talked to and, and older people that make the same mistake is they just, they're just undercapitalized and there's no backup. And, and, and it's pretty common sense. It's, it's pretty much down to earth, uh, you know, grade five arithmetic. If you don't have the cash and you don't have the income, don't be, don't be chasing rainbows. And that's, it, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Yeah, I, I think that's brilliant. I've been listening to a lot of uh, this guy named Dave Ramsey, and he's got a he's got a business uh, podcast called Entre Leadership Podcast, and it's it's fantastic. But it's all about cash based business, and you are breaking every rule in the universe if you use your credit cards to build a business. Uh, you're also breaking those same rules if you build your business off a line of credit, uh, or if you borrow from the bank. 
So look at all these things that I did to build Hemings House, and I'm still paying dearly for it. Um, but it makes so much sense. Dave, what's your th- your thoughts on that too? You're, you're a coach, executive coach uh, of many different entrepreneurs and businesses. Um, don't know if you stumble upon those type of questions, but a lot do a lot of leaders come to you about financial stresses too and because they, they went down that awful path of building a business not on cash? Uh, you know, to be honest, I mean, I can relate to it on a personal level, right? <clears throat> Jumping in and being undercapitalized. So, I mean, that's really interesting to hear um, Ed describe that. Um, most of the people that are hiring as coach, or, you know, ha- they might have money issues, but different kind of money issues, you know? Um, and it might be, you know, hitting you know, quarterly um, metrics or, or whatnot, right? Or, or you know, increasing uh, revenue by so much. But, you know, the one the one thing I was, as I was listening to Ed, uh, the, the other, I guess, another question came is, you know, so that's how the entrepreneur works. And I always want to shift this a little bit because, you know, you talked about having a, a company with 125 employees in one case, and I think there was a lot more. And what I understand is is you, you have some companies that uh, won, you know, Best Employer Awards, I believe. And, um, and that tells me a lot about you as a leader and um, building culture. And I'm just wondering, you know, maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, that's probably, I guess, of all my successes, my, my, I, uh, I find my strongest trait is, first of all, I have a, I, I, I can sort of sense untapped talent, like um, people that, that have a lot on the go and a lot on the ball and a, and a lot of promise but have been sort of underutilized. And when I started Vistacare, um, there, was a, there was a lot of them out there. There were some really good technicians um, that have just been used and abused and laid off every, you know, every three months, every time a project was done, they were laid off. And I thought, you know something, there's, there's a better way to do this. And if I'm going to have the A team, if I'm going to have the team that every time they go on the field, the stands are full, then I've got to build it from scratch. And I'm going to find those people and I'm going to make a team out of them. In other words, like the guys, as I say, they used to be, uh, in, in, when I started communications, everybody was on piecework. And that, that basically, in that industry, when you climbed a pole, if you put this piece on, attach this piece, you'd get $3. If you put this piece on a tap, you'd, do, you'd get $4. So the whole idea was these poor buggers would, would sit in the truck if it was raining for two hours and they made no money. And then they'd rush up the pole and try to attach as many taps or pieces or cut-ins as they could and uh, because that's the only way they got paid. And in the meantime, you know, the quality wasn't there. They would just throw things together. So the next thing you know, two months later, the cable companies have sent out service crews to go up and, and tighten in these taps or to make sure the connections were right because these guys only had their eye was on one thing, as many pieces as I can connect. So... The one, the two things I did, I, I built a team, I, I put everybody in uniform, again, shave, shower, shampoo, uniform, ID, you don't come to work. I hired the best people. I, the first 10, I, 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 I told them when they come to work for me, I will, I will give them an executive benefit package for their families, 100% paid as long as they were with the company. And probably, I would say, eight of those are still with Vistacare out of the 10, uh, uh, 10 years, 11 years later. And, and I said, this is, this is the standard. There are, there are no more piecework, piece codes. Everybody's paid by the hour. And when you get up that pole, you do the very best work. 
because I don't want the cable company sending out a service crew two months later, six months later. We will get paid a premium for our services if we do it right. So I took them right out of the picture with Peace Coats. And that the other thing that did for them personally, with Peacework, you can go to the bank or credit union or whatever, and when they look at you and say, well, how much money do you make? And you say, well, I, I'm on Peacework. They don't even want to talk to you. But if you say I make $20 an hour or $22 an hour and I do 40 hours a week, the math is pretty easy. So it took a lot of them who could never, ever get uh, um, credit. It would, it would allow them some credit facilities. The other thing that I did uh, that, that sort of changed the landscape of that for them was I cross-trained the first 15 or 20. So my, 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 I sat here in my home office and interviewed the first 50 people over there, and I would bring them to my home office and I'd say, look, you're a, you're a fiber tech. You splice fiber. So at Vistacare, we offer careers. We don't offer jobs. So if you come to work with us and you're not here next year or the year after, it's not because I took this job from you. It's because you lost it. I will never, ever take this job from you. And in the meantime, if you want to work 40 hours a week, then you need to do whatever this company needs you to do because you might only be able to splice fiber 20 hours. If you want 40 hours, you're going to have to shovel shit for the other for the other 20. And they'd say, well, what does that mean? And I'd say, well, in our business, you don't shovel it, but you might have to install satellite dishes. So to them, that was the worst of the worst jobs. But ones who bought into it got 40 hours a week, we never laid anybody off during my entire career. They knew they had a they knew they had a a, a long term career. They knew what their 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 pay was. They knew that what their benefits were, and they knew that they would would grow with this company. All of those people that I told you about, my first ten people, the eight are still there, are all senior people, project managers, or partners, and make big money today. So you build the team. You, you, you make them part of it, you, you give them profit sharing, you do all the things that you really need to do, and you don't make any money for the company or for the shareholders for a while. You get it on the other end. Mm. You, get it, you get it down below. So I was, I was pretty good at that. Yeah. But do you know the other thing I was thinking you did a couple things out of that, Ed? That story is really interesting for me. Is uh, well, one is, I mean, you, you're very clear and set expectations up front, which I think is um, is really valuable. So then people know, you know, what success looks like in your your organization. That's number. And then the other thing I was thinking, Ed, is like, you know, what's interesting about that is how you want to support people being successful in their lives, and you know, being able to establish credit in that. In a way, you know, you you know, that's kind of fulfilling your. your your own personal, I guess, vision or mission of, of making sure you could provide for your family. Yes. Well, you know something? It's good, good employees are happy employees. You know, I, I know you, sometimes you can go over the top and I've, I've done it myself. I've done too much for employees and sometimes it, it, it set, sets uh, uh, an expectation and an a feeling of entitlement. And I've done that. I've made those mistakes. And I've learned from those mistakes. But I find that when you when you have a company and you say, look, this company is always going to have your back and it, anything that we can do to help you within reason. And I've done some crazy things, but these, these people have really appreciated. And, and, and then as new employees come on 
and they say, you know, they're working with Joe Blow. Well, how's this company to work for? Well, listen, I'll tell you, you'll never find a better company. And so every time you need employees, you know, all you've got to do is just put the word on the street. And the next thing you know, all the, the good technicians from the poorly managed companies are at your door. And that's how I built Vistacare. That's how Matt and I are trying to build Edible Matters with the best people. And we treat them very well, and we reward them as best we can, depending on the business. And uh, that's just that's just the way it works. That's what's always worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody. Um, it, there's an old saying is that we nurture, we don't whip, and it mm. as it, it works for us. Mm. And, and you know, but we've had you know something. <clears throat> In all fairness, you know, when I started this to care communications. I had a company that had good cash flow, <clears throat> no debt, and 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 cash in the bank, so that I could absorb the salaries and the expenses of that company for the first couple of years. Not everybody has that luxury, you know. The people starting off in, in new businesses don't have that kind of don't have that kind of backing. Mm-hmm. When we started Edible Matters, I mean, we bought. We ended up buying two buildings, <clears throat> huge renovations, brand new kitchens and everything else. We couldn't do that if we were just, you know, trying to save, you know, at work for five years and trying to save money. I mean, we're well financed because of the last business, which was well financed because of the previous business. So, you know, this is, I've got more, we have more money invested in Edible Matters than I ever had in in uh, in the communication business because the communication business grew so quickly. But the investment is here, and we, we feel that if we build it right, they will eventually come, and they are starting to. And, and we're, you know, our numbers are, are up, you know, 15% over previous year, which in, in our industry now is good. But, again, we, we treat people very well. Uh, we have very little turnover. Uh, our customers notice our people being happy. 75% of our clientele are women, so if you can please... If you can please women, and they and they know that that your customers are happy, they're they're fine. Actually, you'd mentioned about best places to work, <clears throat> Vistacare Communications. I just got Progress Magazine, Greg. That's why I was wondering why you weren't on the cover. <laughs> uh, well, I, you will see a Hemingsell's advertisement in this, oh, this issue. Vistacare, <laughs> Vistacare made it as best places to work. It was on the the, the back end. It was the last one. Uh, but they've seemed to make it every year, and it's a little tough when there's such a culture change. But, you know, we, um, I said to Matt earlier in the year, I want to be the first restaurant in history to be best places to work. He said, Dad, it's crazy. It'll never happen. There's too many, there's too many people that don't understand it. I said, no, I'm, I'm, we're going to do it. I think we can do it. So we applied, and we, we went through the whole deal, and, uh, we didn't make it, and Matt was 100% right. Here's what happened. We, we had scores in the 90s. What, what killed us was when, when they got to the part about benefits and pension plans and medical and all that stuff, instead of hitting us with the non-applicable, they just put zero. So, so we had all these zero, zero, zeros. The rest were in the 80s and 90s, but when you do the average... We went down the pooper. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, I felt bad because I really wanted to get that plaque on the wall because 75% of our clientele are women. And women would, 
really, really appreciate that even much more so than men. Anyway, we didn't make it this year. Uh, we'll revisit it again next year. But uh, at Vistacare, every year we applied. And we were the only company in the five or seven years that I was there that had any kind of blue-collar workers. Now, Greg, you know yourself. Uh, credit unions, uh, banks, law offices, accounting offices, high-priced, you know, high-paid people, uh, uh, white-collar jobs, you know. And, and I always thought they should have a separate, uh, some kind of separate uh, category for, for, different, uh, for different companies. But anyway, we, we did pretty well with that, and we won all the awards at, at Vistacare. We, were, uh, um, we came really close one year, I think my last year there, uh, for the Business Ethics Award. We were finalists with the Halifax Airport Authority and Maritime Paper. And uh, we didn't win, but it was it was quite an honor just to be uh, just to get that far. Well, Ed, I think this is great, and we're coming close to an end. But the point I'd like to make from all of this is, you practice uh, tried and tested and true methods of running business based on integrity. Simple as that, and uh, and it's worked for you. And how many other businesses that are based on that see great success? They all do. You know, it's a, we're, we're talking about methods that have been used for since the beginning of uh, entrepreneurial time, you know. Uh, so I think it's great. And you're, you're inspiring me just listening to uh, those basic methods. It's not rocket science. Treat people well uh, and treat your, treat your employees or your team members the best first. They're the most important people in the world to you. And by, as a result, your customers will feel like they are the most important people to you. Like it's uh, uh, absolutely, it, absolutely, one hundred percent right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's good. It doesn't, you know. I, I I know a lot of people in business. I know a lot of really good business people. I know a lot of very bad business people. Uh, I don't know the ones uh, the ones that that are, are really tough seem to make a little more money, but I I personally don't know. I I just can't do business like that. I, it just it's just not in the DNA. And I'd like to think that it's, it, I know it's not in my son's DNA because I, I see him every day at work and he's, he's, uh, I'm hoping to chip off the old block as far as treating people. And, and the golden rule in business should be just do unto others. If you can do that, you, you'll, your business will, will generally succeed, you know, because it, it, it shows in the employees, which shows to the customers. And, uh, you just summed it up very nicely. It's, it's pretty simplistic, you know. Yeah. Well, that's great. I I like to uh, thank you so much, Ed, for your time, and uh, I'm sure Dave would like to. And what what we do now is we say goodbye to our guests, and then Dave and I do a little wrap up of what we learned. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person again, Ed. And uh, okay. you're, you're, hopefully, you're it constantly on my overnight. mind. You know, would be nice. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it. And uh, okay, this, Dave, this nice to talk to you. Nice talking to you, Ed. Can't wait okay, to visit Edible Matters. All right, good. We'll sign off for now. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye. See you later, Ed. Dave, um, I, I, it's so timely right now because I, I mentioned this Dave Ramsey guy to you. Uh, he's just this, this like if you go to uh, any of the iTunes podcast, like business podcasts, for example, or entrepreneurship podcasts, Dave's podcast is like number one or number two, you know, like or any finance podcasts. They're number one or number two. Like he is killing it in the podcast world. He's got millions of subscribers. Uh, he's built a business, a media business on helping people deal with their finances and entrepreneurs build good, solid businesses. And 
uh, driving up to Halifax today, I've been listening to his ebook, which is called Entre Leadership, and everything that Ed's talking about is what what this uh, this other guy was was talk, talking about in his audiobook, which is all leaning on basic tried and true methods of the golden rule. End of story. Treat people well, i.e., your 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 team members, employees, and your customers, and it will come back to you as positive. So that will be my biggest takeaway. And like I said, it's so timely. Yeah. And I feel that the cult, the culture that we've built at Hemmings House, uh, <clears throat> like that's what I think we all have that same value of respect. And uh, I think people from the outside can see that and they want to support it. It's like it's such a win win mutual benefit. Uh, experience when you when you build a company that way. Absolutely, and you do. You know what I've seen? You I've seen it firsthand. The culture at Hemingsell, so I can speak to that. For me, um, wow, there's a bunch. I mean, he's just such a. I just like his um, almost folksy way of sharing stories and and lessons learned. Um, and the one thing that a bunch a few things, but I'll say the one thing if I had to narrow it down to one is the line. And I wrote it down here. I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit here. Um, you know, you can't win everything. But you can win some of the things if you keep trying, you know, and it's that idea, that perseverance that I just, you know, I just love that. I mean, and, and he's, you know, in the calculated risks, I think you guys were talking about that goes along with that perseverance. I mean, and then and then the, I guess the try would be treating people positively and, you know, those that kind of that accumulative, accumulative effect um, means good business. Right. And um, so, yeah, what a, and I and the other thing that comes to mind is I go, I know Matt's listening to us as our producer. I'm thinking, you know, and, and I know what what. Ed wants to do with Edible Matters, and I'm like, pressure's on, buddy. You're in the boiling point now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt's in, the, Matt's in the boiling point. Thankfully, he's got a second career, which is being the producer of the boiling yes, point. Yes, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, the, the other thing which is so funny is I, I, I love the guy because he, every time I see him, he asks me how the business is going, and he's so brutally, he asks, asks these brutally honest questions, and I love that. I thrive on it. And like it's it's no BS. But, but you know and it, you know why I think you'd like it, I'm guessing? Because um my sense and I'm just having met him today and you know, and knowing knowing Matt um would help me kinda of understand his dad, but his intention is good. Like he's not exactly. asking you that question to chip away or try to kill your confidence or, or to try to one up you or or anything like or size you up. He's asking because he really cares, right? And um and that oh, that's 100%. I mean that's the really cool quality this man has. So I can't wait to meet him. Uh, yeah, and 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 that's a, that's a that's a it's a great quality of a mentor. And you know the uh, <laughs> and I guess that's why I, I I care to keep that in the back of my head every time. Like we we've had phenomenal success for the last two or three years at Hemmings House as far as building a proper running business, a very creative business, yes, but a place where we don't have to rely on banks. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm very proud of getting to that place. And uh, when when Ed challenged me, it was like, let's just see if you if you last for two or three years. When someone like that challenges you, yeah. <laughs> it, it sticks, and it's yeah. like. I'm I'm excited to you know to show show him out of pride say hey look we did it you right. know and it's got everything to do with surrounding ourselves with good people like like you Dave as an executive coach and and people like Ed and everybody else we've talked to on this podcast you know is don't do this stuff alone you right. know you, there's yeah yeah I think that's another good takeaway is so surrounding yourself by great people so to 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 conclude I'm gonna get you to wrap up because you're famously. You're awesome. I'll let you bring your awesomeness into the wrap up, and uh, but before you do that, I do want to wish you an awesome trip to Whitehorse, Yukon, buddy. Whitehorse, Yukon, not Yellowknife. Whitehorse, very yeah. different place. And I'm if hope- you look up in the sky tomorrow morning, uh, I'd say around six twenty-five, you'll see my plane go over your house. All right, I'll watch. 
Wrap up, wrap up. So, so thanks, are you. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap it up, yo. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Boy Point podcast. Uh, it's really critical that you subscribe to us and share it. If, if you find this stuff valuable, let other people know uh, via Twitter, Facebook, uh, or any other, maybe even write a letter to somebody. Say, hey, you got to listen to this podcast because what we want to do is share great conversations with great iconic people to motivate and inspire to make our, our world a better place uh, fueled by uh, entrepreneurialism and innovation and that's what this podcast is all about so follow us on uh, Twitter at Boiling Point Pod find us on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash Boiling Point Podcast and our website uh, WordPress <coughs> with our show notes uh, and blog and whatnot is www.boilingpointpodcast.com. Uh, what else could I say? Thank you to Matt. Uh, thanks to our two sets of engineers in two different provinces. We've got uh, we've got Luke here at uh, at uh, Village Sound, and we've got Tim at Hemmings House slash uh, Ripple Effect. I should switch that around. Say Tim at Ripple Effect Music, not Hemmings House, because he's been gracious enough to put his studio in his basement. Because uh, uh, the people over at Hemmings House are so loud that having an audio booth there really sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? So thank you to everybody. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Dave, we'll see you. I, I can't wait to check out where you came from. And uh, yeah, enjoy, it's, time, it's time to... Yeah, next yep. week, brother. And uh, enjoy the land of the midnight sun. Dig it. See you later. See you, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.